Hello and welcome to Publishers Weekly Insider. I'm Mark Rotella, Senior Editor at Publishers Weekly. This week we celebrate Valentine's Day. It's a time when loved ones exchange gifts of chocolates or flowers or perhaps go to a dinner at some overpriced, understaffed, prefixed restaurant. It's also a time when... People may exchange books. It's a big time for publishing, for romance publishers especially, and uh, to talk with us about some of these uh, Valentine's Day-inspired romances. Those are Senior Reviews Editor and Sorely Missed Podcast co-host, Rose Fox. Hello, Rose. (laughs) Hello, So nice to see you. It's very, very nice to be back on the air. It's been a while. And we're sitting across from each other now, not next to each other. It it is. So now we're like gazing at each other. Like couples uh, across the table on a Valentine's Day time. Gosh, here we are. And what should we read on Valentine's Day? So uh, you asked me to come on and talk about romance trends, which I'm happy to do. I think it's no secret that times are a little challenging and like all other genres, romance responds to that. So I'm seeing two parallel or maybe intersecting trends. One is the rom-com. Rom-coms have been super big. Uh, If you uh, think of that term as belonging primarily to movies, that's definitely where it got its start. But the romantic comedy has also always been a staple of the romance genre and particularly contemporary romances right now. I'm seeing a lot of romantic comedies. They just want to make you forget about all your troubles and laugh and laugh. It's a combination of sort of relatable angst, the occasional pratfall. So uh, you have authors like Christina Lauren, who's really made a career Mm -hmm. of this and um, doing really well with it. The last book was Roomies, which is about two roommates who maybe realize that they ought to be more than roommates. (laughs) And there's also uh, some ongoing series where every book is just funny. Definitely the the top of that for me is Molly Harper. Uh, She's done some paranormals as well as uh, straight up contemporaries and her books are just hysterical. Mm. So if you want something to uh, cheer you up, especially if you are maybe sitting at home alone on Valentine's Day and you want to be reminded that love still exists and can be great and also that people who are maybe a little clumsy, maybe a little hapless, uh, maybe not really certain where they are in their lives or where they're going, that they can find love too, that is very much a theme in these rom-coms. They tend to have protagonists who are at some kind of turning point in their lives. Um, They, you know, maybe they they moved to the big city and they couldn't make it there and they moved back to the small town. I see that one a lot. Mm. That's a big, big theme right now. And, uh, you know, there are also people who are just dealing with uh, life stuff. And that's the other theme that I've encountered in romance lately is romances where something really hard happens. You are dealing, I've seen a lot of books about people dealing with death, which is not a thing that you would associate with romance. But uh, there are all these stories where someone is widowed, not necessarily within the text of the book, but the book opens with this person still very heartbroken, grieving, trying to figure out how to move on with their life. Or maybe a book about someone who's lost a loved one um, or a family member. There are a lot of inheritance stories, which has been a staple of the romance genre forever. And that used to be a big theme in historical romances. You'd have someone... Uh, receive an inheritance with strings attached. You you have to be married within a year in order to inherit my vast estate kind of thing. Parents or grandparents matchmaking from beyond the grave. turns out that works in contemporaries too. I actually went and talked with a lawyer about that and said, is this still a thing you can do? Can you still put weird conditions in a will like that? And he said, oh yeah. Wow. Absolutely. And you've seen these, so you've almost seen some narrative 
plots from the bodice rippers into uh, contemporary, contemporary. Absolutely. Fiction. Yeah. Absolutely. There's still a lot of interest in the tension that you get when two people who wouldn't necessarily choose each other are put together by circumstance. Mm-hmm. And that can cover everything from the will says I have to get married to we're coworkers to here we are in this cabin and we've just been snowed in. You know, all of these ideas have taken the place of the arranged marriage as uh, the circumstances putting people together and letting chemistry sort of happen. Right. And um, that continues to be very big. And I think even in contemporary life and in contemporary stories where people have a lot of freedom in theory, uh, a lot of these stories actually deal with the constraints that we still have on our lives, whether it's you know, we're entangled with family matters, we have to make a living, uh, all of these things, uh, you know, we, we're required to do things for our jobs or we're, we're required to go out and find our jobs. We're trying to figure out what our ideal jobs are. There's always a lot of tension around that um, or the constraints of emotion, you know, being scarred by something in your past. You Somebody hurt you and now it's hard to trust um, you're just sad, you're preoccupied. Uh, probably the the most heart-wrenching romance I've seen in a while is The Last Letter by Rebecca Yaros. We just did a Q&A with her about this because the protagonist, the heroine of the novel, uh, her brother dies. He's her last adult living relative. She has two twins that she's raising on her own and one of them has cancer. And like... Oh. You look at this and you think, how do you turn a, a premise like this into a romance? And uh, the answer is that her brother's best friend, who was serving with him in the military, gets out and comes to help her because before her brother died, he made this guy promise, help my sister. If I'm gone, she's got nobody. Wow. And, and this is talking about promises from beyond. The yeah, exactly. Yeah. Promises that people have to keep that kind of, you know, there's a tension there because they were pen pals, but he doesn't want to admit to her that mm-hmm. he's the guy who was writing to her. And, and so there's a lot of very powerful emotion in there. And sometimes you want to read a book that kind of beats you up and takes your lunch money. And uh, for stories like that, you can now find actually quite a lot of them in the romance genre. So you have at the end that very romance genre required note of hope, the happily ever after, right. or at least uh, what what people in the biz call the happy for now, mm-hmm. where you can at least believe that these two people will be able to like mm. hang out and be with each other and take care of each other, you know, maybe forever or maybe at least until they're ready to move on to the next stage in their lives. So that is a thing, a, 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 a term, a happy for now. A happy for now. Sometimes that's all you can hope for. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it's very, it's very realistic. Yeah. Uh, but definitely romance fans still really want that happily ever after. The baby epilogue is still super popular where, you know, you have this sort of physical proof that these people are together and, you know, building a family and moving on into the future. Uh, we have that, that final chapter where they're surrounded by kids or someone's about to give birth or you know, it's, it, I still see that a lot. And to me, that that's also very vestigial from uh, historical romance. Right. But there's still this very big emphasis on, you know, once you get married, you, you find the one and, you know, get married, have a family, uh, you know, sort of continue your life on in a very different way than you had when you were a single person. So we've seen romance. I mean, it sounds like maybe deeper, more complex, maybe mm-hmm. more nuanced. 
What else have you seen? I mean, I, I know because we, we want to talk to you about what else you've been seeing more this year than in previous years. Um, Where is romance heading and what new kinds of romances are, are coming out? Where's romance heading is always a question that's very challenging to answer. Uh, I can tell you that contemporaries continue to be very big. Small town stories continue to be very big. Uh, wilderness stories, like really stories set in rural places or very, very small towns, getting pretty popular. But a lot of those rom-coms, uh, maybe in the, the movie tradition, have uh, urban settings. Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, you know, there's, there's definitely, if you want to read about sex in the city you can read about sex in the city and where where's romance going i will say that i feel like i've seen less of the the band of brothers theme that i was seeing for a while where you had a lot of sports romances where people were all members of a team and a series would go through the team basically and each member of the team would get their their romance and there are still connections like that but sports romances i feel like are focusing more on things like figure skating Mm. or competitive swimming where it's it's less about the that team vibe that band of brothers vibe and i i can't remember who first pointed out to me that that was basically the same as the werewolf romance where you have the werewolf pack Mm -hmm. that it's it scratches exactly the same itch where you basically have these like big tough guys who are uh almost animals but a woman can tame them and it doesn't really matter if they're werewolves or football players you still get that that same thing of like she's the one who can tame his wild heart and that's also no different from the you know the frontier bodice ripper um that that was that's pretty you know deprecated now that the portrayals of wild savages and so forth definitely no longer the thing right right. but um there is still that urge to to have that narrative of taming the wild beast you know and so this is how it, it ends up being expressed but i feel like i've seen less of that and much more emphasis on people in the context of their families Families are so important in a lot of these stories. And it's not just like the cliche of the matchmaking grandmother or the dotty maiden aunt who provides comedic relief. It's, you know, it's really about your connection with your families. A lot of these contemporary romances feel in some ways almost like women's fiction, where the focus is just as much on uh, a group of sisters, for example, figuring themselves out as people as it is on each of them finding a romantic connection. So moving beyond... I want to talk to you about trends in queer romance. Sure. A lot of these trends are very applicable. Uh, actually, the the competitive swimming that I mentioned uh, is a, a romance between two guys on the same Olympic team. But I've definitely um, seen some uh, queer romances that are following all of these themes, whether it's the small town story, which is very big in lesbian romance, especially they like went away to the big city and then came back and reconnected with your first love kind of right. thing. I see that all the time. Uh, in lesbian romance novels. And, um, you know, there's lots of male-male stories where one or both members of the couple are dealing with serious life issues, um, could be uh, related to being queer or could be, you know, totally separate. Um, 
books about being homeless, being bipolar, being addicted mm-hmm. to drugs, uh, you know, various like major, major concerns. And uh, exactly the same theme of this is hard, but we will help each other through it. And sometimes you just get these beautifully sensitive portrayals of people who are really struggling with hard times and taking care of one another and sort of being reminded that there is more than the the tornado in your head. Right. That some something or someone can pull you out of that and be like, oh yeah, the world's not so bad. Right. And I'm definitely not a fan of the love cures all narrative. The idea that as soon as you find the right person to be in love with, your PTSD from the war disappears or whatever. But uh, I think there is a lot to be said for people who are wonderful to you, helping you figure out how to wrestle your own demons. Mm-hmm. And the best of these stories have those themes. So that's that's definitely big in queer romance and certainly plenty of escapism, too. I see some uh, queer paranormals coming through, which is always a lot of fun. And the paranormals with this fantastical element, uh, you get a lot of shapeshifters or what have you. Right. Uh, the press Dream Spinner has this huge ongoing queer paranormal series that's just a blast. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can you can see all of these different characters, again, dealing with family or social pressures or work or what have you, but uh, also just like having a great time. And the whimsy that comes along with the paranormal element is really delightful. It's very uplifting. And what about transgender romance? Um, There's not really any such thing as transgender romance, because being trans has nothing to do with who you fall in love with. But I certainly see queer romances with transgender protagonists. There's still not a lot of them. And uh, I can't recall one that's crossed my desk recently, in fact. So I would love to see more of that. Great. Well, Rose, thank you so much for coming on. Um, I hope you'll join us again so oh could, i miss you too Mark. I, oh my gosh it's been this is really really nice so. i'm glad we could have our valentine's day reunion <laughs> i know this is beautiful we've been talking about romance books and time for valentine's day with our senior reviews editor rose fox i'm mark rotella senior editor at publishers weekly thank you so much for listening please be sure to subscribe to pw insider on itunes and we'll see you next week